Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to the 258th episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Sean Wisniewski of The Corner Workshop. Tonight, we're asking Danielle Rosebird the five questions. So, welcome to the five questions episode, Danielle. So, first up, so how did you get into woodworking? Um, I did cover this a little bit, but to put it more succinctly... um I had a father who was a carpenter, but who also had sort of a penchant for, you know, uh, clay modeling. And if he could have been a part of the Jim Henson productions, he probably would have been. Um, oh, cool. So I love I was definitely given that is like, you know, just I didn't realize what a gift it was when I was younger, you know, that other people weren't necessarily doing that um, mm-hmm. or like creating the columbus's three ships completely out of clay with complete with like clay ropes like that wasn't happening like wow oh that is cool it was very cool um and so to be ushered in in that way i didn't realize it was sort of an early education um into what i would later be doing um and then i was also helping him with you know projects around the house so i got to swinging a hammer and laying flooring and doing sheetrocking and um and then because I lived in sort of a, uh, I lived in a paper mill town with a, a good, like a very developed trade program, mm-hmm. they great middle school shop. And I was working a bandsaw when I was 11. Wow. And, which is, do they still have that? I don't just know cur- if they do. Um, just curious. Cause it seems like, you know, I mean, yeah, it seems like shop class pretty much died out. I would say somewhere in the nineties. Yeah, which yeah. is when I was going through the system. So I was in yeah. 11 in 94 mm-hmm. and, and it was fantastic. I mean, I wish I had had, you know, as an 11 year old, the sort of insight to be like, Oh, this is what I need to be doing. Cause it was the class <laughs> that I talked about. Um, and we made, you know, clocks and, and race cars and, you know, it was just my attention for detail. And I'm, Oddly enough, even though I kind of like stray and do these sort of oddball things in my work, I'm incredibly type A in other parts of my life. And um, and that's how it played out in middle school shop where I realized that like I really love to get into the nitty gritty and like precision, precision and, and couldn't really let go of pieces until they were absolutely perfect. And I don't know where I let go of that, but it was somewhere along the way. <laughs> <laughs> College, who knows? Um and then sort of all of those weird circumstances, like that perfect storm of, of going to New York right before September 11th and moving back. And then the school that I got to closed down and had to go to this other school where they let me do anything. And <laughs> um, of course, those were choices I made, but it was also like all these opportunities that opened up and sort of really fed me right, and right back to that woodworking bug that bit me a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then kind of sealed the deal when I got hooked up with Lee Nielsen and that really propelled the rest of it. And I started meeting other people and realizing you know, this scope of it and all the different realms within it. And that Peter Fonsby, who's actually the person who showed me how to carve bowls and the rest is kind of. <laughs> well, good. There you go. Good. So what is your favorite tool? This one is hard. This 
It, uh, this well, favorite tool today. <laughs> today. Yesterday. I recently. Mean, really like the good old gouge. I I could say so many things. The spoke shave is just so the notion of it is so romantic. Like you can just like there's so much of that intimacy of being able to control it with just the slightest touch of getting like a heavy versus a thin cut and where it's cutting and but I just, the gouge day in, day out, I feel like I've gotten to know it so well and can really, I, I, I just, there's like that extension of my hand kind of feeling with it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, when it's sharp and it's just good to go, there's just nothing better than that feeling and the, the look on the wood of, of that almost burnished surface that you get from it. Can't be beat. Right, right. So how many gouges do you own? Oddly, not as many as I would think that I <laughs> Not um, as many as I should. <laughs> um, and it's so funny because I think this happens to a lot of people where you yeah. you have a lot of them and then you find you only use like five or six. Right. Um, and it really comes down to about five or six that I use consistently. Um, I, I use a lot of the, the Swiss maids. Mm-hmm. Uh, the price point, how they show up, my doors, always fantastic. I've been able to find some used ones. Um, and then the Hans Carlson dog leg that I got a while back when Drew Langston was still doing country workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, and those right there, just like a like a three or four of the Swiss maids and that Hans Carlson have, have really done it for me. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, you might have um, talked about this already a little bit, but uh, who has influenced you the most in your woodworking? This is this is I was I was thinking about this, and I was like, I can't pick, I can't pick one person. It's like the confluence of so many mm-hmm. people in so many other spheres. Um, like Yoyoi Kusama, I'm not sure if you're familiar with her work. She's uh, an artist um, who's really starting to not even starting to but has made quite a name for herself um, yeah yeah I, I i wasn't familiar with her till about a month ago <laughs> did you see the documentary not yet not yet Ooh, but so yeah. good um yeah i need i need to but it's 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 on my to-do list but yeah i i about a month ago i, I stumbled across and went this is incredible yeah. Yeah. And, and that documentary just illuminates so many other things of mm-hmm. You know, what she had to deal with, her absolute, I mean, just in, uncompromising tenacity mm-hmm. and to get where she was. And it took it took her and pretty much like her mental fortitude um, to, to get there. But her patience and just, just devotion to that repetition and like the, and just like that repetition speaks to me. You know, with like the thousands of little cuts that collectively make up this bigger thing that when you step back you can be like oh wow um that speaks to me in you know a more direct way um barbara hepsworth um hepworth is amazing um i'm not familiar with her she's incredible um uh henry moore you know these are like the more obvious ones um mm-hmm. eschrick uh mm-hmm. um or Ward, I'm not sure how that's pronounced. It's so funny because I feel like sometimes the women are so um, they're they're not mentioned as much so much so that I don't even know how to pronounce their names. I realize, 
you know, where it's like, it like it hurts my heart a little bit, but at the same yeah. time, I want to give voice to them, but in like the right way, like I want to give them the, the dignity of pronouncing their name right. But I yeah. realize I've never even heard it spoken. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is, it is a shame, but I think, I think that corner has been turned though. I think we're, yeah. we're moving in the right direction. We are and chugging yeah. right along. Um, yeah. And then Warren Eshrick, who's just like, I mean, who isn't, mm. We also have the same birthday, which I think means <laughs> it's like a century different, but hey. Um, That's really cool. I, I like that I mean, you, you're you pulling inspiration from a, a long string of time. Like, yeah. you know, and that's you, you kind of like an old soul kind of thing where like you're, you're, you're working in the same way that they could have been doing it 80 years ago. Right. And, yeah. Or in a similar way, or you're pulling inspiration from those or, or, you know, that if nothing but the character, the drive, I mean, that that kind of stuff is really, really telling. It's pretty cool. It's definitely like when I watched the Yo- uh, Yoyo's documentary, of course, her work is amazing. And, and visually, it's absolutely arresting and stunning. Um, mm-hmm. And to hear her story, I was like, this, this I relate to so much. Like, I need now that I'm talking about it, I need to go watch that again. Um, I do because it was just like this is everything. She was just, she was just ferocious, um, and she probably still is. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, definitely pulling from a lot of different things, and not just like the work per se, but like what it took to make the work. I'm really interested, and in. I'm really interested in backstory and um, and like how people got there, and what it took to get there. I can relate to that a lot. Very cool. So, what has been your biggest stumbling block? Um, I would say I would say my health. Actually, it's it's strange though because it's been weirdly prohibitive, um, but also illuminating. Because as with anything, when you start to you know, it was getting really really dire for a while. There were um, I was given like diagnoses that were really bad. Like they were giving me like, years to live. Mm-hmm. And you start to you start to think that you knew what you wanted to do, but that has a way of prioritizing things like no other. Where you're like, it, okay, that's going, that's gone. I clearly don't need to be doing that anymore. And even when I thought I had condensed that list, it got even more further reduced because I was like, what do I really want to be doing? Like, if if my health is in this is this compromised, like when I do feel good, what do I want to be doing? And that really helped me on the way, whereas I could see myself taking years to come to those conclusions or having the, you know, the, the gumption to, to make the moves that I did when I was feeling horrible. And it's, I don't, it's not a coincidence at all that most of my career happened when I was the most sick. Um, Mm. And I, because I was making moves that I never would have taken the risk. and. So it's kind of like a weird blessing. And I was also sometimes just so weak that I couldn't do the physical stuff. And of course, the things I'm doing are so physical right. that I couldn't. So I was doing all the back end stuff. I was doing mm. all of the photo organizing and the editing and 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 the things that too, took too much brain power just had to be fall to the wayside. So I was doing all the stuff that I never would have really chosen to do had I been at full, full throttle. So... I feel like I was able to build up also like a, a base that um, I wouldn't have done otherwise. And then once I felt good, it was just like hit the gas and go. Um, and that worked. 
I think it's still working. I hope. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I can understand that. I went through a little health episode myself a few months back, and uh, I'm still recovering from that. And maybe another year or so before I'm I'm back. So yeah, yeah. Yep. I can I can definitely uh, definitely relate in some in some aspects, and it, do, it does refocus you and um, kind of weed out a lot of the superficial stuff that you were worried about, and say, hey, what is it I really want to do, and let's get to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So, um, so how has the uh, internet influenced your work? Um. Again, I can never give a straight answer. Um, <laughs> it's it's just this balance between having like this enormous accessibility and being able to, you know, to be exposed to people I never would have found out about, um, mm-hmm. and and seeing what was possible, and not even that, but like piggybacking on ideas and being like, oh, I see this little tidbit that this person has done, and I see it in a completely different context. And then all of a sudden you're off to the races in a completely different direction. Um, but then sometimes there's also that the point of oversaturation. And I'm such a visual person that I've actually, I've had to take breaks from people I love following because I feel like sometimes I see too much of my own vision and their work. And so I have to stop because I don't want to, there's a fine line, you know, between inspiration and then mm-hmm. and 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 then just sometimes things creeping into the subconscious too much and mm-hmm. and i'm not interested in producing that kind of work um that's that derivative and not that everything needs to be original because i don't think that's possible but that i want it to come from a certain place that is as of me as possible um even if that is seeking and ins- seeing inspiration in other people's work and then and then taking it off on my own tangent so it's been so wonderful to be, you know, exposed to these people. But then also there's this point where it's just the saturation is, is overwhelming to a visual person like me, where you, you just have to check out for a little bit. Um, but of course, Instagram, like mm. if it, it's incredible, like it's, it's incredible. There's a downside to everything, you know, there's some people that aren't so awesome, but that's like absolutely every realm you step into on this planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and for what it's what it's done for me is far outweighs what it has. Well, yeah, you that, that's that's actually beautifully said. And uh, um, you know, looking at your work, you are a true artist, and uh, maybe they'll make a documentary about you one day. There you go. <laughs> so i hope that um i was just gonna say like i have such a potty mouth um <laughs> and of course like as a professional there i and i have like nieces and nephews like i know when to filter it but i was like when i get to talking about my work i realize i am just like shooting from the gut and i was like danielle just just like don't drop so many f-bombs like don't drop so many <laughs> And I feel like if they made a documentary, it'd have to be like, "Are you okay with some words?" Think <laughs> 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 about my life. I hope you're okay with that. Oh, I'm sure they will. And I think occasional f bombs made it into this podcast a few times. And Instagram. Oh, I just <laughs> shoot. I just shoot straight from the hip. That's okay. that's right. That's Saucy right. is always better. 
Exactly. Yes. Unvarnished. Unfiltered. <laughs> yes. So with that said, so uh, Danielle, so where can uh, folks find you on the interwebs? You find me on my website for the more general gist, or if you're looking to contact me at DanielleRoseBird.com. And then also on Instagram at Danielle underscore Rose underscore Bird. And Sean, where can folks find you? I am at SeanW78 on most every social media. Find me there. And Kyle, how about you? And you can always find me at Barton.Kyle on Instagram, the only social media platform that matters. And with that, that just about wraps it up for this show. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play Music or wherever you get your podcast from. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. Then you'll never miss any of our exciting episodes. And while you're there, leave us a review. And thank you for listening to the Modern Woodworkers Association. If you like the show, be sure to visit us at modernwoodworkersassociation.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MWA underscore national, on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast, or at mw uh, or just find the mwa on facebook uh there uh just make sure whatever you do is you tell a friend about us because word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussions